Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And notice verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. If you have a red-letter Bible, you'll notice this verse is in red. It's the first time we see Jesus speaking. The last time we saw him speaking in red letter, speaking, speaking him speaking, was in Revelation chapter 3 when he was giving the letters to the churches in chapter 3. But now he says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 16 in the book of Revelation and the end of the bold judgments. Jesus says in our scripture, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they shall see his shame. In the midst of this description of the coming battle, there is a warning to be prepared in light of Jesus' assured victory. Garments are pictures of spiritual and practical righteousness. We are given the righteousness of Jesus as a garment, but we are also called to put on the nature of Jesus in terms of practical holiness. Now let's join Pastor Rob. A love that is, nobody's ever seen that kind of love before. It is their just due, but God is serious about his love. His love is demonstrated for us on the cross. But he's also serious about judgment. And that's the other side of the coin of God that nobody likes to talk about, but it nonetheless is there. And we have to come to terms with it. And we have to warn people. We have to warn them. Nobody, you know, the, the thing that brought me to Christ was fear originally, honestly. Somebody told me, Rob, because of your sin, you are going straight to hell without passing go unless you repent. I was involved in all kinds of stuff, and I had somebody who had the guts, a Christian who had the guts to tell me, Rob, you're in serious trouble. And he didn't just tell me that. He opened the Bible, and he showed it to me, and I looked at it from my own self with my own eyes, and I saw the black and white ink, and all of a sudden, I began to tremble. No kidding. This is a true story. When I read it for myself in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I was done. I was like, oh God, help. And I cried out convulsively to him to forgive me, and he did. Oh boy, he hit me like a ton of bricks. I wasn't a slow burn. I was like, he just smashed me with a hammer in his love, and I loved it. I tell you, it just crushed me in a wonderful way. Sorry I'm using such, you know, it's just the way I am. But God's love is great. His wrath is great as well. I'm so glad I'm on the love side, aren't you? He took the wrath upon himself for us in our place. Hallelujah, right? 
because evil people who are on the earth at that time who have killed God's people, they will be worthy of death. And not only that, but eternal death. Eternal death. And God is perfect in his love. He's perfect in his wrath. What does it say in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6? God says, I am the Lord. I do not change. I don't change. I'm not capricious like the God of Islam, where you could do all the things, and I'm just having a bad day, so you're going to die. That's how capricious the other gods are, especially the God of Islam. But God will not violate himself, his promises. He will not violate his commandments. He cannot deny who he is because he is immutable. He changes not. And God does not delight in the death of the wicked. And he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Notice in verse 7, back in our text, it says, And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, notice again, true and righteous are your judgments. Who is this voice from the altar? Well, I believe it's probably the same voice that we read about in Revelation chapter 6. The tribulation saints, what does it say in Revelation 6? Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had. And they cried out with a loud voice. And notice what did they say? How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, it's funny you should ask because he's doing it right now in this verse. He's doing it right here in verse 7. Another from the altar, verse 7, says, Even so, Lord, God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Notice verses 8 and 9 in the, the fourth bowl. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat. And notice what they did. They repented, all of them, and they gave glory to God. Is that what it says? No, it says that they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. They didn't repent. Sounds a lot like Pharaoh. Remember the judgments of Pharaoh? Each successive plague that came against Egypt, the Bible says after that plague, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. You know, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And there got to a point, and I think it happened three times in those ten plagues, where where it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What is the idea behind this? There's a point where we harden our heart, we harden our heart, and we harden our heart, and God says, is that really what you want? Do you really want to live with a hardened heart? And then he says, I will give you a hard heart. I will let you have your hard heart. What a horrible thing for anyone to hear from a God, from God Almighty. But such is the heart of man. What does it say in First Timothy? It says, The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, which we live now, folks, some will depart from the faith. Notice, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Do you know what happens when you throw a steak on a grill at high temperature? Which you should do, by the way, if you're grilling a steak. You turn the grill all the way up to high. You sear it on both sides for at least a minute. And then you turn the heat down and then you get your markings. I know this. But when a conscience is seared, all that putrescence that's inside gets sealed up. 
And there comes a point where your conscience can get seared when you will not hear the truth. You'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And people's consciences, even today, are being seared because they refuse to see the truth right before them. It's like they would rather go along with the group and continue to be deceived and to deceive, be deceived and to, de- and to deceive, than to see the truth. It's happening right now. People are choosing to not see the truth. And this goes more than just the gospel. People are choosing not to see. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, it says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will suffer persecution. We've seen that probably in your own lives. You've experienced it. But notice, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And boy, are we seeing that today. And we're not even, uh, the church hasn't even been removed yet. And we look here at this fourth bowl of wrath, and we see it as very similar to the fourth trumpet. Because the fourth trumpet in Revelation 8 verse 12 says this, that the third, then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine. But now it's completely different. Notice in verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. The beast is the Antichrist, this man of lawlessness that is yet to come upon the scene. And his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And like the fifth trumpet and the ninth plague of Egypt, we see this where there, were, there was darkness over the whole land. You can read Revelation 9, verses 1 and 2. It just talks about the, these angels, these uh, demons being released on the earth at the time of the tribulation. And the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke that arose from that. And we see that in the ninth plague of Egypt, that there was a darkness over the whole land, a darkness that could be felt. And there's also pain involved. They gnawed their tongues. A horrible kind of pain, but notice it didn't change their heart at all. Verse 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. And notice they did not repent of their deeds. At this point, at some point, you got to say uncle. <laughs> you know, have you ever, guys, you've been wrestling with somebody and they take your arm and they twist it behind your back and you're laying on the floor and they keep pushing it up toward your head. And pretty soon you start to feel the ligaments in your arm give and you're like, uncle, uncle, I give, you know. You'd think that people would be doing that. But again, such the heart of man. Is there anything good within man? You probably came here this morning thinking, I want to hear a real feel-good message. And unfortunately, there are a lot of churches teaching feel-good messages and avoiding this stuff. But isn't, isn't not the Word of God? Doesn't it all deserve our attention? Every single last bit of it. I'd even read the preface to the King James Version to you. It's not inspired, but the rest of it is. Read the whole thing. Everything is important. Notice the sixth bowl. 
The sixth angel sounded, and or excuse me, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. This is verse twelve, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings of from the east might be prepared. And notice that the Lord did not say the Tigris River, because if you were looking at a map, the Tigris River is actually further east than the the river Euphrates. Why didn't he say the the Tigris River? Why didn't he say the Tigris River? Well, the Tigris River is not as long as the Euphrates, and the Euphrates actually stretches, it's further west of the Tigris River, and goes up further north and dips over close to the top of uh, of, of, of Syria and, and those areas like that. And so this river has to be dried up for the kings of the east, whoever they are, these armies of the Antichrist, they're going to be coming in from the east and they're going to come down from the north and they're going to go right down the Jezreel Valley starting at Mount Megiddo, Mount Megiddo in the, Ar- the Valley of Armageddon. That's what Armageddon is. It's the name of a place and I wish this thing was working because I would have shown you some pictures that we took when we were there recently at Armageddon. Napoleon said that this place was the perfect battleground. Perfect. Mountains all around, huge area, flat. The Israeli army, I'm sorry, the Israeli Air Force has an Air Force base right in the center of it. And when you're on the top of Mount Carmel, up where uh, Elijah was, you can actually look down upon this Air Force base and you can see the F-14s flying away and, and coming back in again. And then they disappear underneath the floor of the of the ground there. They have underground reservoirs where they hide all the planes until they're needed, and then they come out like hornets. Love that. Those are the kind of hornets I want to stay away from. They got big stingers. (laughs) But this is what is happening. So this Euphrates River is going to be dried up. And it's no big mystery. God parted the Red Sea, didn't he? Is he able to dry up a river like the Euphrates? Piece of cake for him. Remember, the Euphrates actually comes from the mountains up in the north, and as the waters melt, it goes down into the valley. It's a huge river, and it's fresh water, and it goes all the way down until it empties into the red or into the um, um, the sea there, the Gulf. But notice in verse 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the demonic trinity. Here we go. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, which is speaking of Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and also out of the mouth of the false prophet. Here we have the demonic trinity. Why? For verse 14, they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world. And what is their purpose? To gather them to battle for the great day of God Almighty. God is going to bring them into the into the valley of Armageddon, and they are going to stage there, and they are going to come down and they are going to seek to destroy Jerusalem and kill all the Jews. The Antichrist is going to seek to do this. He's going to gather them all together, and he's going to use demons to deceive kings. Can kings be deceived? You better believe they can. If their hearts aren't submitted to God, they are, they are like a, a leaf in the wind. And notice verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. If you have a red-letter Bible, you'll notice this verse is in red. It's the first time we see Jesus speaking. The last time we saw him speaking in red letter, speaking, speaking him speaking, was in Revelation chapter 3 when he was giving the letters to the churches. 
in chapter 3. But now he says, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. And they gathered them together at the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Har-Megiddo. Har-Megiddo is literally a mountain or hill in Megiddo. And there is a tell, there's a place called Tel Megiddo in Megiddo. And again, uh, it's a place where uh, uh, many things happened at this place. And it's right there in the valley of Armageddon, right at the base of Mount Carmel, not too far away. But it was here that a number of things happened, among which Elijah killed the 450 prophets of Baal right at the base of this mountain. Solomon had Megiddo as one of his chariot cities. And you can visit that. We saw it, didn't we, when we went there. His stables were there where he kept his horses. The Old Testament talked about a chariot city. And we see remnants of that today. And we know that Josiah was also killed in Megiddo in the same place. And tell Megiddo he was killed in that area when Pharaoh Necho wounded him to death. And he died. And this is where the place will be where the Antichrist will meet and stage this great army in their final descent from Megiddo down to the Jezreel Valley towards Jerusalem to destroy the Jews. And this is interesting because we see the Old Testament prophets speaking of this very moment when it's speaking of Armageddon, this this final conflagration of armies against the Jews. And against God, really. In Zechariah chapter 14, let me read to you the first four verses, and then we'll uh, we'll take communion in just a few moments. Notice what it says in Zechariah. I would encourage you to read all of Zechariah, especially the last three chapters, 12 through 14. It seems to me that these are like very New Testament chapters. And I think you'll understand why. What does it say in Zechariah 14? Behold, the day of the Lord, this day of wrath... The Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will, notice God speaking here, I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Who is drawing them? God is drawing them. But they are operating on their own volition. Do you understand? Because their hearts have been so hardened, and God is going to allow them to do it. And he's going to draw them, and he's going to bring them right to that place. And he's going to bring them right into that Jezreel Valley that goes all the way from the north of Israel right down the valley, right in the center of of Israel. There's a fault line there, and there's mountains on each side. It's a great place to just come straight down and sack Jerusalem. And that's exactly what they're going to do. But notice what it says. God says, I will gather all nations to battle against Jerusalem, and the city shall be taken. So it's not going to be completely impregnable. God's going to rescue them. But the city will be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half of the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city and then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations this is when he comes in his second coming when he comes in his second coming believe me it's going to be no one's going to be able to stand before him the Lord will go and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives which faces Jerusalem on the east we were there remember We were there right there on the Mount of Olives as we looked across the Kidron Valley to the Temple Mount. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. That's a pretty big mountain. From the east to west, making a large valley, half of the mountain shore moved toward the north, toward the south. This is going to be a pretty seismic thing that's going to happen. What does it say in Zechariah chapter 14, in the 12th verse of that same chapter? And this will be the plague 
with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets. Their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. It shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them, and everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's friend. There's going to be such a a confusion at this time as these armies come down that there's going to be a point where they're going to get confused. There's going to be so panicked that they're going to start fighting against each other. Amazing. You can look at Joel chapter 3 and the first two verses of that as well. But notice, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done, it is completed, it is finished. And then chronologically right here is where really Revelation 19 begins because at right when he says it is done, the next thing that's going to happen is the return of Jesus. And we're going to see that in Revelation 19, verse 11, through the rest of the chapter. But right here is where this ends. The rest of the things that we're going to read now, including chapters 17 and 18, over the next couple of weeks, are really just material telling us about Babylon. Because Babylon is going to be rebuilt again. It hasn't been rebuilt. It's been laying in ruins. But it's being rebuilt. Saddam Hussein built a lot of it. But notice now in verse 18, And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. I wonder what the seismic is, the, size, the, size, the seismometer or whatever that thing is, the seismograph, I wonder what it's going to say. 20.5? The great city was divided into three parts. We believe that's probably speaking of Babylon. It could be Jerusalem, but probably not. It's probably Babylon. And the cities of the nations fell, and notice, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Babylon will be the seat of the Antichrist, the city of this beast, this man of sin. And then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, about a hundred pounds. Have you ever seen a hundred pound something coming flying out of the sky? Comets? Usually it gets burned up in the atmosphere and it doesn't make it into the earth, but God's going to see fit to change things so that these hundred pound weights, whatever they are, they could be asteroids, comets. And notice what happened. Man, men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail since that plague was exceedingly great. We saw the same thing in Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. They did not repent, and God brought hail, blood and hail, brimstone. So these are very difficult things yet to come upon the earth. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. You know, Paul says, it's the love of God that constrains me. The love of God. And again, this message has been recurring because it's important that we understand as the church, as we read these things and we know what's coming, we ought to warn others. Judgment is coming, but God is a great God of love. Never forget that. See, to tell them that, oh, come to Christ and all your problems will go away, it's not true. Sometimes problems begin. (laughs) 
when you give your heart to Christ. Then you're, the battle really, you're, you're no longer a casualty in the battle. Now you're on the front lines. Now you see it. Right? But never forget God's love, but always tell them the truth. And the truth is that there are two sides to this thing. Because I've sinned, I deserve judgment. But thank God that he died for me, that I will never have to see judgment because of what he did. See, that's the good news. That's why these chapters are important for us, even though we won't be here physically to to see. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.